1: Hey guys, it's Gary Chuck, and you're listening to the Front Row Entrepreneur Podcast with our girl, Jen.
0: This episode of the Front Row Entrepreneur Podcast is brought to you by Front Row VIP, a private membership community where members enjoy the latest, greatest, and most practical tips and strategies for building an online business and growing an online audience of raving fans. This unique membership site includes live coaching calls, a library of fresh step-by-step trainings, and a community so smart and so supportive, you'll wonder how you've gotten this far without them. At the time of this recording, membership is open. Go to FrontRowVIP.com to learn more. You're listening to the Front Row Entrepreneur Podcast, episode number 12. Knife and Spork public relations owner, Niaz Parani, is a public relations professional and former journalist with experience in social media and online marketing through web-based community building. He has an eye for fine details and an expertise in creating unique, engaging, and results-driven campaigns in the real world and virtual spaces. Niaz is also an award-winning food writer, dining critic, and avid home cook who has reviewed and featured hundreds of restaurants in print and digital media. When he's not working on his business, he's probably listening to music or daydreaming about the Coachella Music Festival. I met Niaz at Social Media Marketing World. I was, of course, sitting in the front row and the presentation was about to start and there was this one seat left in the front row and Up comes this guy, and he asked me if the seat was taken, and it was not. So let's just establish right here and now that Niaz is a front row kind of a guy. He's my people. You know I always say that you meet the best people in the front row because they tend to be go-getters. They're all-in kind of people. And as you get to know Niaz, you're going to see he's absolutely that. Anyway, we chit-chatted a bit before and after, and... I talked him into staying for the next speaker who was coming in the same room, Mark Schaefer, who I absolutely love and Niaz wasn't familiar with. I really loved his energy and I loved how he was running an agency that only serves restaurants, a social media agency, PR agency. What a great niche, right? So we exchanged cards and promised to stay in touch. And soon after arriving home, I received this email and folks, I personally think this is next level kind of stuff. So take note. Jen, exclamation point. I hope you're doing great. I'm decompressing from the conference and getting my stuff together. A few things. Number one, it was nice to meet you. I had fun talking to you and I'm glad you made me stay for Mark's talk. I actually ran into him at the end of the night and told him that his speech reminded me of the feeling of catching a set at Coachella from an artist you didn't know about, but who blew you away. That was a great lecture, and he posted it online in case you haven't seen it yet, because I missed at least one slide myself. Number two, I have a note here to contact you about the Alexa app. I'd love to know more so I can add voice to my workflow. Number three, I thought you'd like to see this. So he includes this big photo of a small room, and the walls are covered in those giant pink post-it notes, and there's writing all over the notes. So I'm putting the image that he sent me on the show notes, which you can find at jenlaner.com forward slash 12. Okay, so you'll you'll be able to see this yourself. Back when I worked in politics, we'd make a war room when we had to run campaigns to get the work on the walls for visualization and tracking purposes. So when I got home, I did the same, but it's big pink post-its and it makes the room glow pink, makes it feel like I'm standing inside my own brain. Left side is the workflow breakdowns uh, by process or platform like Facebook bots, superfans, influencers, analytics, etc. and the right side is how those apply to each one of my clients in summary with customized insights, strategies and action items. Next, I'm going to go through all my notes and fill in all the tips and tricks I want to on the left so I retain them and they're on the wall. Then I'm going to live in my dining room until it's all set up and fully operational. Fun. Hope you were having fun back in the real world, too. Niaz, mic drop, you guys, right? This email is so great on just so many levels, but one thing it did for sure is make me want to know more. This whole brain room thing is right up my alley because I love me a good system, and it occurred to me that Niaz probably goes to conferences with a plan, and he probably has a really good plan. So, of course, I invited him on this podcast so he could share these ninja tips with all of us. So, dear listeners, I bring you Niaz Pirani. Welcome, Niaz.
1: Hello. Hi. Hello, everyone. Uh, (laughs) Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. That was a really good intro. Thank you.
0: I wanted to set it up right, you know, because there was a story behind it, and... Am I right? Do you have a system, a plan before you go to a conference?
1: Yes. Yes and no. I think that you the plan is to absorb. Like a lot of conferences these days, they'll send you home with some information. Or like in the case of social media marketing world, you get all the video notes. And so a lot of people, I think it's an easy thing to create conferences Experiences where you go in and become a passive observer of the conference because you feel like, well, I'm going to get all this stuff no matter what when I go home. But I think the, having the plan to just go in and while you're listening, apply what you're hearing and just in very short form notes, develop your own action plan while the information is fresh. That to me is the most important thing.
0: So do you have any goals, though, before you go? I think you had mentioned something to me about planning at least 40 days out.
1: Oh, my gosh. Okay. So yeah, yes, uh, in general. So I, uh, when I worked in politics, the person uh, who I worked under, he taught us always to plan everything you do about 40 days out because that gives you enough time to pivot. And whoever uh, he, he came from, uh, he, he served in Vietnam. So he looked at it as, you as know, whoever the opposition is. 40 days out, most likely they're not thinking that far ahead and you are far enough ahead to pivot. So I think, yes, even if you know you have a conference approaching, I think definitely 40 days out from that, you need to be looking through. So for social media marketing world, for instance, I read through all of that information and created a schedule. I I, I know we talked about Coachella a hundred times already, but I started calling it Workchella because I literally, (laughs) so I know I'm ridiculous, but I I took my schedule of of the people that I wanted to see and I started crossing them off my list and and making the schedule. So I knew before I went in exactly where I needed to be at exactly what time. And then I, I had kind of created some alternative pathways if I wanted those too, And the most important thing was that once I got to the conference, and things started happening, you know, you meet people, you don't know where those kind of conversations will take you. Sometimes they take longer. So you just have to not be in a rush. And if you're if you get the opportunity to have genuine conversation with people, allow that to happen in that moment. And don't try to rush it to get to the next thing. At the end of the day, you will have recordings, hopefully, of these conferences or other people you can get good notes from. But that's that's the, the most important part, too, is plan ahead, but allow yourself to be a little bit malleable because the, the best things happen when you're there.
0: I totally agree. And you mentioned like getting someone's notes. What about your notes? Do you have any tips for note
1: taking during events? Hundred percent. So uh, my entire background is journalism. So when when you uh, are a journalist, you are constantly taking short form versions of notes. So I would say the first thing is get comfortable with some kind of a pattern of short form for you that you can then go back to later. Because it's one thing to write down a bunch of notes that are like, you know, missing vowels or for speed or whatever. But if you can't, if you go back later and it's incomprehensible to you, then there was no point. So what I did in this case, and it, for cell phones make the entire difference. Like I, I started as a journalist in 2005. And I think I had like a, a Nokia phone at the time. So like <laughs> iPhones really are those future computer phones that we saw back in the day that we have all of this technology. So I use my notes f- function. And in my notes function, I do three things. When a slide comes up, immediately I take a picture of it. And so each file of your notes, if you're using an iPhone, each file of your notes can contain up to 100 photos. And that gives you a lot of of slides. And then once that fills up, you just move to the next slide. So the first thing I do is I'm taking pictures of all the slides because that's the information I definitively want. But I'm listening to the presenter speak and I'm doing three things when that's happening. If they say something that is like critical phrasing that I want to go back to later, I'll quickly jot that down. If they say something that is a resource to me. Like I learned about a live video software called Ecamm Live. And so if I'm if once I heard about Ecamm Live, I put two asterisks next to that. So I know when I go back through my notes, hey, this is a resource for me. This is a person or a software or a thing that I can go back to and utilize later. And then I use three asterisks when I hear an idea from someone and my brain starts churning and saying, well, they're saying this, this is how you can apply it to your business. So, three asterisks and whatever the note is, that's the action items. And because my priority is to take the picture of what they're showing first, I'm not worried about copying their notes. I'm simply absorbing what they're saying and applying it to my actual workflow in that moment. I love it.
0: That is a really good system.
1: I would like to say one thing too that I learned um, that I, I, at Social Media Marketing World, the The first person that I heard speak at the at the end he said, "Hey, listen, I charge a lot of money to consult, and if you want to come outside and talk to me in the hallway right now, you can ask me anything you want for free and that like made me realize that maybe all of these people will do that, and that they all did, which was so generous of them, but that means take advantage of that you if you have questions walking out of there. Use that opportunity to clarify. I handed every single one of those people a business card, thanked them and told them, if you're ever in Orange County, please come to one of my restaurants. I would love to meet up with you and, and just thank you for the value you've given me. So I think it's important to take that to the next step.
0: Well, speaking of that, so your follow-up and everybody, his email is going to be also on the show notes because I really think that's a, a, that's a template and that anybody can tweak Um, as follow up from any live event, because it was you reminded me how we met, not that I could have forgotten you. you, you know, but it was very personal. And then and then you including that picture was great, I mean, of great value to me. And it made me so curious. And it showed me how creative you are. And I was like this, you know, I have to know more about this, this person. So did you do similar follow up with any of those people that you spoke with? Did you have any kind of like template that you use to follow up with those folks
1: so i haven't yet only because once i got home from the conference this room that so everybody will get to see this picture so i want to take one step back and say like this this was taught to me by my friend tim steed who is a great political mind and he had a very visual way of organizing things just just to to get things out there and the thing is you know when you're a one-person agency and you're, you are trying to not only keep up with so, social media that is changing every moment but plan for the future, it's hard to kind of keep this web of facts in your head. So I came home armed with all of the new knowledge that I had and finally just got it out on the walls. And then once I did that, I had to step away because – so, you know, one, I was catching up from the conference, but two, like i the next day I felt physically lighter and I I didn't understand or expect that. But what I realized is that to some degree, when you run your own business and you're trying to think of the next steps, like it's thrilling, but it's also terrifying. You're worried because if you're not, at least for me, if I'm not progressing my ideas, I'm not moving and it and so movement is the most important thing to me and i felt like once i got it out and then i realized that this physical i felt this physical difference i kind of moved away from it so i will explain one thing so on the left hand side as i broke down all of the different processes that are elements of the workflow that i think are relevant to representing restaurants and building communities around them in 2018 and on the right side of my wall i'm building individualized plans per client based off of all of the different elements on the opposite side of the wall. And so I took a step back and then uh, a little bit later, a few days later, I came back in, I started creating those customized plans. And the next step is going to be to go through all of my notes and put all of those little secret sauce items that I learned at the conference to work. And that's going to be the next evolution of that is the fine tuning and then from there, I'm going to take my notes and I'm going to, so you're the only person I followed up with from the conference right away, just because I was so energized when I talked to you. Yay! But, and, and then, you know, like I, I kind of did this and then unfortunately there's some weird sinus cold going around in Southern California. So I got that uh, and I laid low, but the next step, I'm going to take all of my notes, kind of simplify the things and take out the things that are just pertinent to me and just share my notes with all of the people whose business cards I collected and thank them for taking the time to meet with uh, me or speak with me and just say, you know, here's what I did. Here's notes, if you would like them.
0: Oh my gosh, that, that is gold. Like if somebody sent me their notes from the conference, I mean, and especially because you're an excellent communicator and and you have the gift from journalism, the talent from your years as as a journalist to put things together like that in a way that you know, that gives you an edge that other people might not be able to do it as beautifully. That is a great idea.
1: Wow. Yeah, I, I hope people will dig that. I, I definitely think they will. And you might, you know, some stuff will be pertinent, but maybe some stuff won't.
0: Yeah, so they'll take what they, what they like and, and leave the rest. But who else is doing that sort of thing? You know, like no one, <laughs> no one. So I'm sure they're going to have the same reaction uh, that I had when I, when I got the picture of your, of your brain room. So, and look, and now we're on a podcast and my audience gets to meet you and, you know, who knows where things will go. So it's, it's amazing. So sometimes things don't always go great though. And I, you had mentioned something to me about failing upwards. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah. So I, I I started my career, I graduated when I was 22 and then I had like a weekend off and then I started as a journalist on a Monday and, and that was my career. And I've done three things. I was a journalist. I did, politics. And now I have my PR firm. And there were a lot of times, you know, like journalism is a hard industry. I think anybody who knows what's going on in the journalism industry, they see that the the news industry is being decimated by a model that hasn't yet caught up to the changes and acceleration of the digital information age. And so being a journalist, there, there were a lot of times where I, I wanted to get out of that and I applied for other jobs, and they they didn't come through. And then there was a time where I did. I I got to work in politics for four and a half years, and it was an amazing time as well. And then I realized that there was was an opportunity there for me to take the things that I had learned in all of those other instances and put them forward in a different way. And I think there are so many times within a given moment or – over the course of some years, that it's easy to feel like a failure or it's easy to feel like things aren't moving fast enough or in the right direction. But what I've learned over the course of this, like I just had my 13th year in my career and my third year going into my third year doing this. And I just feel like if if we allow ourselves to grow at the same rate that we expect babies to grow, Instead of thinking, I don't look at myself as a 35-year-old person anymore. When I think of myself in terms of my work life, I say I'm about two and a half to three years old. I'm a toddler. And if I was a toddler, what would I expect of myself? And so I think it's important to not push on yourself so hard and to take perceived failures and learn from them. And so the idea of failing upward to me means that There are plenty of days where you're going to feel down, especially if you're doing your own thing. It's lonely being an entrepreneur. And if you just focus on the things that got you to this point instead of the things that are holding you back, it's so much easier to learn and progress when you leave the negative behind and and fail upward.
0: I love that. Wow. One thing that really amazed me was... and. (laughs) As I recall, like I think my my mouth did drop open when you told me that you first of all, you know, I just I always love a good niche. And the fact that you um, the name of of your business is a knife and spork PR and that you not only represent local restaurants in your Orange County area, but you create content and you do so in a very like loving thoughtful way so i remember you showed me a video that you that you um had your videographer shoot but you were the director of the content you staged it whatever of of a woman who uh, worked back in the kitchen and she was really proud of of this recipe that she was making that that her uh, owner decided to to feature in the menu and she was telling you the story behind the recipe and it was really really beautiful really special and my jaw dropped because i'm like okay you're running this agency, you're serving 11 restaurants, each with their own message, each with their own menus, their own, you know, all this stuff, and you're creating the content. I really, I really couldn't believe it. And <laughs> it, it's it's really remarkable. It truly is. Because usually in, in a setup like that, what happens is it's a bit of an assembly line. So, you know, it's, you have to do things sort of uh, in batches and You know, you might reuse some of the content from one restaurant to another, another restaurant. Stock photos, whatever. But but you're out taking these beautiful photos. You're writing great copy. You're doing videos. You're telling them to live stream. Like you're doing these amazing things. But what I want to know is how do you keep your focus? Like what motivates that focus?
1: So it's a couple of things. We'll talk about the workflow and then the external things around my workflow. I would say the the focus comes from planning. And the thing is, as you were telling me all of the things that I accomplish in my daily work, I, I think the benefit of being a journalist was that every single day, I had to turn in content that had to be finalized, because the very next day, there was no option to have a second draft, because the very next day, it needs to be in the newspaper. And so very quickly, you learn how to at least become the best self editor you can be. And then over time, you hone that skill. Uh, the other thing is I could never share stock art with other clients simply because each restaurant is individualized. The I think coming from a journalism path, the motto or the mission that I have for my PR firm is that every restaurant has a story to tell. And so through that, I think the focus and the energy comes from that directive. You know, you're talking about the video of the pozole soup that she made um, and if we could link to that, I would love to be able just to show people in the show notes, um, just because I think what she did is so special Absolutely. With, her, with her soup. And that that was kind of the thing is every restaurant, you go to a restaurant, you eat, but behind the plate is a person and behind that person is some story that got them to that point. And so being a journalist, I had this ability to storytell um, for all these different all these different facets of life. Uh, I, I wrote a story once about a woman who got a permit from the city that said she had to give up her mini horse because her neighbors saw her walking a mini horse in their neighborhood like it was a dog. And it turns out that this woman was using it as a therapeutic animal at like local elderly homes and schools to, to provide therapy for people. And after she argued with the city council, she won. And that was a popular story. Or I had to write a story about a woman whose dad was was murdered in his own house but it turned out that he had committed some crimes himself that made the reader and it was written in such a way that the reader kind of had this very violent reaction to the writing and and so through those elements of storytelling then my next job I worked doing politics and working with working people and when you when you work with people who are like you know the court clerks and the janitors and parole officers, when you work with people who are out there doing the everyday job, you earn kind of this respect for the working man. So I looked at that and said, well, how do we how do we apply all of these elements? Like I said, just as you can fail upward by taking your past experiences, also look at all the things that you've done in your past lives. Those are the things that will make your current thing unique. Every, anything you're doing at the moment in time should be a summation of all the facets of who you are. Because we're all multifaceted people, and that's what our, that's where our unique skill sets come from. So the more that you can make your skill set unique and differentiate yourself, I think that's actually where the focus comes from. Because now I look at the wall that I have in my in my room here, and I couldn't be more focused. I wake up every morning by 5 a.m. and I'm I'm, I'm working on stuff, and I I you know I go to bed probably between nine and eleven, but I'm working pretty late too. And I don't get tired of it because I think the focus comes from the work itself. When you can, it's like the most Gary Vaynerchuk thing to say, but when (laughs) once it's true, right? But once you figure out exactly the thing that drives you, that's exactly it. There's a quote on my website that's from my uncle, and he used to say this all the time when we would drive back and forth from Northern California to Southern California. You would pass these farms and they would say, where there's farms, there's food, because there was like water droughts in California. And every time he would turn to me and say, when there's farms, there's food. When there's food, there's Niaz. Every time. (laughs) And I actually put it on my website because I kind of look back and even when I was a little kid, that's what I was the most interested in was that. And the other thing is I derive my focus from music. There's two artists in particular uh, people are kind of probably not likely for saying this, but Kanye West, Elon Musk also said he was his most influential musician, though. So at least I'm in good company there. Um, Kanye West, I just get a lot of a lot of mental energy and a lot of power from because he is he pushes himself very creatively to to do things in ways that people don't. The last time I saw one of his concerts, this guy had a floating stage and he was literally hovering above us the entire show. Like what other artists are trying to do things like that? And I get a lot of creativity from him and the Talking Heads. The Talking Heads were a band in the 80s. I don't, I'm probably explaining this to people who are older than me and I sound dumb about it. But I, I was born uh, right about the time their best albums were coming out. Back in the mid 80s, they were kind of, uh, or in the early 80s, they were this super group of all these different amazing musicians from different influences and different amazing bands. And uh, the album in particular, Remain in Light, I've listened to this album probably 100 times in the last month uh, just because it kind of locks my brain into a mode of focus. Uh, The last thing I'll say about that is Jen and I were talking. um, There's a guy that I heard about on the Joe Rogan podcast, David Goggins, and he is a Navy SEAL who set the world record for the most pull-ups done in 24 hours. And he did something like 4,300 pull-ups in sets of 10. And uh, there's two things about that. They say, like, you know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So 10 sets over the course of time, he accomplished a world record. And that's what I think my wall is. Those little pieces, those are all the bites. This whole thing is, is the entirety. And the other thing he did is he listened to the same song the whole time, the Rocky theme song. That's all he listened to for 24 hours. And so Whatever it is that you it might not be music for you, but whatever ways you can incorporate your own personal focus and your own personal facets into your workflow, you will only be the better for it.
0: What about um, this Coachella thing? And like, what what is it with (laughs) Coachella? Like, I want to know more about this Coachella thing because I, you know, I see references to it on your beautiful Instagram. I have to say your Instagram is beautiful, um, Thank you. which doesn't surprise me because you're you're a creative type of person. But yeah, tell tell me more about this Coachella oh, thing.
1: OK, so uh, a couple of things about the Coachella Festival. It, it's a festival out in the middle of the desert in California. Uh, I started attending it when I was a, a music writer uh, for the for the Orange County Register. And then I've, I've continued to go. So over since 2005, I've missed two years of it. And I think this one coming up will be my 13th year. And this is like the way the world works. David Byrne, the lead singer of The Talking Heads, hasn't really had a major tour of scope for like 30 years since the albums I've been listening to. And he's playing Coachella this year. You're dying.
0: So, you, can't even, like you can't even sleep.
1: I, I you you say that and it's not it's not even a joke. I <laughs> I it's the only thing I'm thinking about. I'm ready to go. I'm also an admin on there's a, so Reddit on Reddit there's a Coachella page and then on Facebook there's a group that is Reddit Coachella and I'm like one of 12 admins in a group of 24,000 people and we just talk about Coachella all year. And so I music really drives me. It's it's kind of the thing I'm most interested in other than food. And then all of the work stuff comes from, it's the work part of my fun life, if that makes sense. That's actually where the knife and spork comes from. Cause like fancy restaurants are knife and fork restaurants, but I picked knife and spork because I felt like it was equally fancy and fun. And so um, with the Coachella thing, I, it, it started as like, you know, there's just, just this really awesome concert in the desert that continually books all these great bands. But over the course of time, uh, I've seen Prince play there. Oh. I, the first time I saw Paul McCartney play was like on the anniversary of his wife's passing. And he, he was so emotional and he just, I heard all the Beatles songs I grew up listening to. And Jen, you know this, but like I have a bunch of Beatles paintings in my house. So the Beatles are very influential to me. Paul McCartney was incredible last year. Lady Gaga. Actually, she, I, I had never really listened to her music, but she was one of the most genuine people that I've ever seen perform and it really got to me. Just that place is magical. The moment the sun sets, it's just a different thing. If you've never seen what the Coachella Festival looks like, uh, for anybody who's listening, just Google like Coachella Festival sunset and you'll really understand that. I And the, the thing I think that, another thing that makes it the most special to me is I'd always kind of wanted to get my dad out there, but as the music has evolved, the lineups have gotten younger and younger. And so he wouldn't have interest in that. But two years ago, um, they had a festival called the Desert Trip, and it was Rolling Stones and Bob Dylan on the first night, Paul McCartney and Neil Young on the second night, and Roger Waters and the Who on the third night. Wow! And we got to go out there, and um, so I got to spend that time with my dad. Like I, I tell my wife that when I when I die, uh, I'd like to be cremated and have my ashes spread. She, I told her at first she could have ten percent because it was going to be 10 parts. It was all eight stages, the Ferris wheel and the merchandise booth, because you have to see the new t-shirts every year. But she, felt, she was very upset by that. So I've, I've told her she, she can have half. I don't even know why she won any of them, I mean. But she could have half, totally, and then let, me, let the other 50% get spread. So I've told enough of my best friends, and I hope they think I'm serious enough that they will actually do this for me, because I, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else.
0: Well, that—that that, I mean, that really just that is a testament to your love for Coachella, for sure. Is she as into it?
1: No, no, she isn't, actually. She For her, it's like, oh, here's this concert thing that is kind of pricey that you want to do every year. <laughs> like, the thing is, I, I probably need to travel a little more outside of the world with her, but I've been focused so for so long, for 13 years on my career, and this is kind of the one thing that, Allows me to go another year. Getting out there for three days really does like.
0: Do you camp? Is it like is it like Burning Man where people camp out?
1: Yes, it is like Burning Man where people camp out. But I have never once camped, and for two reasons: at the end of the night, I want two things: a hot shower and chicken soft tacos from Del Taco. <laughs> and if I can't get either of those two things, I can't camp. And also, like, I, I I like to take like two showers a day, which is like pretty bad probably, but it like. I don't want to be gross and dirty at night, and I would definitely not be able to camp. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, that makes sense (laughs) to me.
1: (laughs) It's really really dusty out there. It's really gross.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Fine. Like, uh, (laughs) sounds totally reasonable. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. If you aren't already a member of my free online classroom, The Front Row, head over to FrontRowClassroom.com and join today. And I try not to bug you with this on every episode, but it would mean the world to me if you would leave me a review over on iTunes.
1: See you next time. So I do want to thank a handful of people at Social Media Marketing World who made the experience really incredible for me. And I'm just going to name them off real quick. Those people are Brendan Harvey. He writes a newspaper called The Good Newspaper. You guys got to check that out. Uh, Josh Eldridge, who taught us about social media and getting out there in the real world. Jasmine Starr, an Instagram expert who taught me how to plan 30 days of Instagram content in one day. Uh, Luria Petrucci, who taught me all about live video. So important. Mari Smith, the queen of Facebook. John Loomer, who to me was like watching Paul McCartney at Coachella. They hold equal influence in my mind. I've been watching his stuff forever. He's a Facebook marketing genius. Uh, Mark Schaefer, who Jen introduced me to, Pat Flynn, and Jillian Borse, Mike Ambassador Bruni. They taught me everything about networking, very important, and Jen. Jen, thank you so much for having me, and I'm so glad I met you. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity.
0: Thank you, Niaz. It's been a blast.